number 38, Correcting the Intellect. In the book version, I don't have a quote, probably because the quote I had was from someone who didn't want to give me permission. So I'm going to give a quote from Sri Aurobindo, The Synthesis of Yoga. And here Sri Aurobindo is talking about the three steps of nature. And first, the synthesis of yoga. Yoga in this regard is, of course, seeking union, union of small self with greater self. And the synthesis of yoga was about bringing together all forms of yoga uh, under one umbrella. Uh, so that uh, physical yoga, hatha yoga, and uh, raja yoga, or meditation, and jnana uh, uh, yoga, uh, the, the yoga of knowledge, and bhakti yoga, the yoga of love, and karma yoga, the yoga of works, all of these things could be seen as all moving in the direction of the one desired outcome, which is, of course, the synth- synthesis of the yoga of that union of small self with larger self. And of course, uh, uh, Sri Aurobindo saying that everything is grist for this mill, that we can seek this union in everything we do. And, and in this, uh, the second chapter of this book, he's been talking about the three steps of nature. And at the very end of the chapter, he, he says, we perceive then these three steps in nature, a bodily life, which is the basis of our existence here in the material world, a mental life into which we emerge and by which we raise the bodily to higher uses and enlarge it into a greater completeness, and a divine existence which is at once the goal of the other two and returns upon them to liberate them into their highest possibilities regarding none of them as either beyond our reach or below our nature, and the destruction of none of them as essential to the ultimate attainment, we accept this liberation and fulfillment as part, at least, and a large and important part of the aim of yoga. Meaning, we don't uh, dismiss the need for the physical and the use of the physical in order to embrace the, the spiritual. And we don't uh, do away with our thinking in order to embrace the spiritual. We see all of them as part of the greater whole and as opportunities to enliven the divine experience through all of us. And correcting the intellect is, is one of the, uh, the necessary things for us to, to grow. And here uh, I say meditating twice daily will change your experience of life absolutely. This was my experience, and it's the experience of so many people that I've watched as they learned this practice and, and continue doing it. But to transform your life, you have to include the practice of correcting the intellect. Uh, in other words, building a new model of the universe to affect your understanding of life. We all have a philosophy of life. We have a worldview. It might be the worldview of Lutheranism or Calvinism or Catholicism. It might be the worldview of atheism uh, and randomicity. It might be the worldview of, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. It might be the worldview of uh, happiness is available, but not to me. But here's the truth. The truth is that all things in nature seek happiness. 
or well-being in one form or another. My labradoodle snuggles next to me because it gives him pleasure, and I let him do it because it gives me pleasure. Sunflowers follow the sun across the sky because it is their nature to have as much light as possible. It makes them happy, if you will. We seek happiness because it's in our nature to seek happiness. But we've been trained to look outside ourselves for the happiness in spite of the fact that it's not available in the outer world. The teachings of non-duality, oneness, suggest a different way of seeing. And the purpose of this uh, study right here, this reading, is to give us a different philosophy, a different way of looking at the whole of what we are and what is, uh, in order to have a lens uh, through which we can view the world that allows us to be what we are and to continue to know ourselves more and more as the deepest experience of what we are. And the Veda says that consciousness is primary. The implication is that my experience of life is based not on the so-called facts of my life, these outer experiences, but on my interpretation of those facts. For example, if I feel unhappy, I may think my unhappiness is because I don't have enough money. One approach to my problem is to make more money. How much is enough to achieve happiness? Who Who knows, really? We'll just have to see. But what yardstick should I use? If I've never had enough money, it will be hard to come up with a way of measuring. All I'll have to go on is my level of happiness. And if I'm still unhappy, I'll try to make more money, but that will cause me to work harder, which may make me more unhappy, uh, etc. I may think I'm unhappy because I don't have enough money, but what if that's only a partial truth? What if I also have unfulfilled experiences of creativity, relationships, health. What if my unhappiness is biochemical and related to eating sugar or flour or dairy? What if my unhappiness is related to the fact that I drink every day? What if I just wake up each day with a reset button of low-grade misery? If any of these issues are a part of the equation of my lack of fulfillment... I can make money from now till doomsday and never find lasting happiness. And truly, I can fix all of those issues and make lots of money and be as healthy as possible and still be desperately unhappy. So we continue meditating and we correct the intellect. We stop looking for happiness out there and we begin to remind ourselves that it is available within. And we study a philosophy of life and build for ourselves a philosophy of life that shows us often and repeatedly that happiness is not dependent on anything outside the self. We become aware of our thinking and call a time out when we find ourselves veering into self-pity, blame, complaint, or victimhood of our circumstances, Uh, victimhood of the fact that we don't have enough money and we can't find enough money to make. Whatever our story of unhappiness is, we remind ourselves that happiness is a choice. We can ask ourselves, what would life be like if totality 
was nothing but consciousness. What if consciousness and God were the same thing? What if the all that is, consciousness, is the all that is, God? And indeed, how could it be any different? But if consciousness and God were the same thing, and if totality was everything and everyone all the time, including me right now, what if God, consciousness, and I were inseparable? What if my happiness depended solely on my continued decision to be happy? What if happiness, fulfillment, bliss, is the natural state of my being? And it's only that I'm looking in the wrong direction, in the wrong place, from the wrong perspective that is keeping me from seeing that, from experiencing that. What if that were the truth? Today I will ask the universe, what kind of life do you want me to have? And I will assume that the answer includes happiness, and that this happiness is available within me. Now, no matter what. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Embracing Bliss. I started this podcast and the book it's based on to offer a daily reminder to myself as well as to you that we have the freedom to choose happiness. And if ever we needed happiness and freedom to choose in this world, now would be that time. So please do share it with someone you love, send it to a friend, and also please stay in touch. Links for Instagram, uh, the book Embracing Bliss, and to sign up for my newsletter can all be found in the show notes. Until next time, have a great day.